It's JJ DiGeronimo, and we are in season three of Career Strategies for Women That Work. I select every episode with you in mind, a woman searching and striving for more influence and impact. With research and insight, I've invited some really exciting guests to season three. Many of them have books that you can follow up with and even discuss in your women's groups. And like many of them, I'm launching my next book, Seeking, 74 Key Findings to Raise Your Energy, Sidestep Your Self-Doubts, and Align with Your Life's Work. With so much to discuss, let's jump in. Hello, hello, it's JJ DiGeronimo, and I am so excited to be with Carolyn Buck Luce. She is somebody that just sent out an epic book is now in the marketplace that she wrote. I'm looking forward to diving into it. But our title today is How Do Women Step Into Power Purposefully? I feel like so many of us have aspirations to have more influence and impact, but sometimes we talk about the word power. It sort of stifles us. And for me, it often makes me sit and think, well, do I even want power? And what does power mean? So Carolyn, thank you so much for joining us. Tell us a little bit about your work. Thanks, JJ. Well, I'm so happy to be here. And there's nothing I like better than talking about women, power, and purpose. You know, I've been on a career that has allowed me to navigate a man's world for over 50 years. I was a diplomat in the Soviet Union. I was a international banker at Citibank. I was a Wall Street banker. I was a management consultant. But all through that, I was also a daughter, a sister, a wife, a mother, and a grandmother. And what I really saw was that uh, it's so hard in the culture that we're in to be able to be the leader you want to be at home, at work, and in the world. And to do that, we need to get comfortable with power and purpose. That's so interesting. And I agree with you. But I guess before we jump into it, you know, how do you define power? That's a great question. You know, it's interesting, no matter where I go in the world, and I've traveled a lot in my different career jobs, when I meet with women, I ask the question, who here is ambitious? And I'm not sure whether people are raising their hand or fixing their hair. So sort of imagine that. <laughs> And what I found is that there's such an ambivalence to the word power and ambition. Although everyone who I meet, all these wonderful women, want to empower others. But they don't actually connect to the fact that if you want to empower others, you should be as powerful as possible yourself. So how do we defang that word power? Mm -hmm. Or is actually just a current. It's not good or bad. It's like electricity, water. It's just a force to be guided. And it comes in many different, so it's a current and it comes in many different currencies, knowledge, relationships, resources, personality, position. And here's a tough one, beauty. So those are all currencies of power. And if you want to empower others, it's important to be purposeful 
about increasing your currencies and then using those currencies honorably on behalf of others. So that word needs to be defanged because right now, what I, what I've noticed is for lots of reasons, which we can go into, women leak power when they dim their light, when they back off from a risk, when they are too focused on is how do I make sure everyone else is comfortable with me? And how do we stop being power leakers and instead be power getters? I know just listening to you, the word power for me, it's like, it's, it just does not sit well. So it, this is such a great topic. Like what, what has brought you to this work? Well, I think it really started when I was eight years old. You know, there is a point of time and I'm going to ask everyone just to think about when this happened for you, but there's usually a point of time in childhood where you pick your head up and actually realize you're no longer a child, that you're actually part of a wider world. And that happened to me when I was eight years old. And I had two heroes, a hero and a heroine. The hero was John F. Kennedy. It was 1960. He was running for president. And he said, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. And we were in the middle of a Cold War. And I sort of picked my head up and felt like, yes, sir, reporting for duty. And I also had my mom, who was one of only two women in her law school class at the University of Chicago in the 40s. And she was a real advocate for civil rights, human rights, and women's rights. And that's when I decided, well, I wanted to be just like them. But to do that, I needed to be powerful. And then I started a path to be able to engage with this idea of power and purpose. Wow, that long ago. That's so interesting. And I think for many of us, I I feel like with the work that I do with women, they want to empower, as you mentioned. They want to be strategic. They want to have influence. And they even want to impact something more than they're working on right now. But when I talk about the word power, it's like they almost turn away. They're like, "Mm, not so interested. Well, you know, JJ, that's because we're stuck in an old story. The power of story is huge. We, in fact, don't live in our lives and our relationships. We live in the stories we tell and are told about us and our relationships. And all women are, we were born into a story. Again, no matter where you are, where you were born where we were raised to be good girls. And I haven't met a woman who wouldn't agree that she was raised to be a good girl. So there are a whole bunch of things that good girls don't do. They don't invite themselves to meetings. They don't call out someone when they are speaking in a racist or sexist way. They don't voice their opinion first. There's just so many good girl things And then when we try to experiment with power, when we try to experiment with ambition, when we try to lean into our purpose with power, we get pushback. And we meet another archetypal story, Goldilocks, where we're told we're to this or to that and never just right. And we begin to believe that. But these are just stories. And one of the reasons I think it's important to go back and think about 
when you first started to hold back your power so that you can tell yourself a new story. Just remember, for example, the power of make-believe, where you could dress up and believe you could be anything. Well, that power is still with you, the power to imagine. What is your purpose? Why are you on the planet? And how do you gain power for your purpose so that you can be focusing on the fact that it's not about you, it's to be in service of others? Mm-hmm. Now, I think women can really resonate with that in service to others, in service to others, because I feel like I've done a lot of research on women in tech and when women pursue STEM degrees and roles. And oftentimes it has this extended value or reach. So if we're talking about women stepping into power on purpose and we talk about them really thinking about how they can empower others. What are some ways that women can start this? Because we're, you know, we're rounding, we're, we're rounding out so many big initiatives for women, yet I feel like women are still in places where they can reach to that next level or be in more power than they're in today. So how do they even sort of get their arms and minds and even actions wrapped around this? That's a great question, JJ. And you know, I I work with women on building what I call their decade game. This is actually something I started when I was eight, when I had that revelation that I needed to report for duty. And I created at the time what I now call my decade game, where every decade I reimagine how I will know myself and how the world will know me 10 years later that would be in service of a greater purpose. And when I work with women on constructing their decade game, we start with a question of purpose. Because in fact, we all have one. And here's a simple way of thinking about it. How does the world get better in a way that you believe you have been called to make your own unique contribution? It might be that you believe the world gets better when it's more just or more fair or more healthy, or kinder. But there's probably some theme that has been your North Star all your life that has helped guide you in terms of how you want to make a contribution to the world being better based on who you are and your unique self. And so, for example, for me, not surprising when you think about my story about John F. Kennedy and my mother, my purpose in life is that the world gets better when courageous leaders find their magic, trust their magic, and use that magic honorably. And almost all the things I've done in my life, I've been guided by that purpose. Once you can lock into that, whatever it is for you, then every day can be meaningful And you have permission and an invitation and a get-out-of-jail-free card to lean into your purpose and make a contribution. And to do that, you need to use your gifts. And the original instructions that we all were born with was to use your gifts in love. And that's what purpose is. I love that. I love that. And I think for many people, and I see this so many times, is they think their gifts, everybody has their gifts. 
they often don't see their gifts as unique or the value that they can add or the purpose they can create or the power or momentum they can get behind using those gifts. So let me just make sure everyone knows that we all know that there's been no one who's ever walked on this planet that has the same fingerprint as you. But now through technology and science, we also know that no one who's ever walked on this earth has the same eye pigmentation as you and the same voice timber as you. That's why voice and face technology work. So what does that mean? It means no one sees the world the way you see it, speaks the truth that you can speak, and can do what you can do. So no matter how small, and for women, you know, we are the ancestors of an age to come. And we have, we stand on the shoulders of everyone has come before. And our work is to plant the seeds for the future, because that's the feminine knowing of what does it mean to be on purpose? I love that. I love that. Oh, I feel like so many women are ready, but they are still holding themselves back. They want to step into it. They're getting the whispers to step into it, but they struggle with the how and so many circumstances. Like, how am I going to make that happen? So I know we talked a little bit about your book, Epic, which I love. I was reading it last night and I just, I really resonate with so many of the lessons, but also looking at life from a broader view. Can you dive a little bit more into that? Yes. And I love that you're reading my book. So the book is called Epic, the Women's Power Play Book. And I first want to take the word epic and make sure that we're clear on the original definition. Epic is a saga. It's a long form story of daring do, daring to do. It, it is used in a masculine construct as an adjective, bigger than, better than, king of the hill, master of the universe. And that's not what I mean here. What I mean is how do you get to the center of what you're daring to do based on your gifts, your purpose, and an ability to make a contribution to the world? It's that heroine story of getting back to your essential self, remembering the power of make-believe and believing that you, in your own way, can make the impossible possible at home, at work, and in the world. So it's a, it's a story of daring to do, and then it's also a description of how do you actually play the decade game? Because one of the things that I have found is because of all the people we take care of, it's hard to think beyond 10 minutes, impossible to think 10 years. However, we tend to dramatically overestimate what we can done in a year and dramatically underestimate what's possible in a decade. There is total transformation that can happen in a decade. And my hope in the book is that it will be a, a roadmap for women to be able to think boldly. What do you dare to do? What would goodness look like 10 years from now? And how do you recognize that you've been playing someone else's game? And now the time is for you to play your game, your rules, because the current game is rigged. 
It's not your fault. One of the things I say to women is we are all guilty and no one's to blame. We are in an old story and we can choose epic. We can choose a new story, recognizing that we have the power of the universe inside us to make miracles. It's empowering. I mean, really empowering. And I think for many of us, just continuing to remind women that not only do we create life, which keeps everything here going, but that we have this innate knowing, we have these gifts that are all our own, and that the only one standing in the way of using those gifts in a meaningful and powerful way is the owner of those gifts. That's exactly right. And one of the reasons I like to have people think about this as a game is because the harder the challenge, the more fun the game is to play. Like who wants to play a boring game? It's sort of like a jigsaw puzzle. You buy the puzzle because you love what the picture on the cover of it looks like. And then if you're like me, you pour out all the pieces and within 30 minutes, you're convinced that there's a piece missing. But there isn't. The fun is how to figure out how to put the pieces together. And what I mean by epic is you actually have all the pieces, all of you right now. There is nothing else you need to learn. There is nothing else you need to accomplish. There is nothing, no one else you need to meet to know that right now you have everything you need to have a life of meaning and purpose. Because every day, if you're willing to lean into your power on purpose to be your gift to the world and to yourself, you can create meaning for yourself and create meaning for others. And that's epic. That is epic. And meaning can come in all different ways. That's the beautiful thing. You know, nobody's epic is the same. And could be helping your neighbor or doing something just on your street or even online or in your community. And some people might be more national and even global, but we all have our part. We all have our part. And one thing often leads to the next. So Carolyn, as you're entering your seventh decade, what what words really resonate with you now? I mean, when you think about your life and where you've been and where you're going, what are you thinking about for the next decade? Yes. Well, I just turned 70 and I now have my decade game board set for 80. You know, decades are, need to be age appropriate. You know, we go through a process in life from childhood to adolescence, to different stages of adulthood, to elderdom. And then there's essence. And one of the things that I have leaned into in my 60s and now contemplating my 70s, is you can't get to essence from warrior. (laughs) And for many decades, I was a warrior, you know, out in the world. And I'm now really leaning into being an elder, which is about recognizing that it's all about planting the seeds. It's all about sharing the wisdom that has come through me And it's also changing my relationship with ambition and time so that I really try to lean into the miracle of the present and um, know that the universe will unfold and find me. You know, it's interesting, even though I'm all about a decade game, 
and every decade, I've reimagined what my journey will be, what I want to learn, what do I want to lean into. You never play the decade game in the future. You're only playing it day by day, bringing a little bit of the magic, a little bit of the star stuff from that future imagining into today so that you make baby choices, choices that I call tiny mighties. Tiny because it's a little baby step I can do today. Mighty because it's been informed by my future self because she knows things I don't know yet. I think that is so, so lovely. And I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us because these conversations are so important for women to hear from different viewpoints, from different decades of where we are, but also all the learnings and the power that you're sharing in your new book, Epic, The Woman's Power Playbook is so important. So I really do appreciate you, Carolyn, joining us today. And I just end on any words of wisdom or places people can find you. Yes. Well, first of all, JJ, thank you for everything that you do. And I'm very excited about your new book, which everyone should get. And I think the last thing I just want to say is we we women can't do this by ourselves. We've been trying to do it by ourselves for a very long time. It's too hard to lean into power on purpose, but we can do it together. Sisterhood and being able to let go of that old story of what I, you know, that I don't know if you remember Maleficent, the evil queen in Snow White, where she would always look at the mirror and say, mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all? That keeps women from being together. And it's only by being able to see our tears of joy and grief in each other's eyes and commit to stand in power and purpose will we actually create the world that we want to create. So thank you, JJ, for everything you're doing. You can find out more about the book by going to the website Epic Women's Playbook or about the Decade Game by going to the website mydecadegame.com. And again, I really appreciate JJ you having me on the program. I've enjoyed it. Well, thank you so much. And I look forward to keeping the conversation going. And for all of you, thank you for joining and we'll see you again here next time.